Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to Bell to Bell with Bobby Blaze. I am your host, Professor Jeremy Vilmer. And joining us now, the reigning and defending both TV champion and American Junior Heavyweight Champion of Smoky Mountain Wrestling, Bobby Blaze. Hey, gobble, gobble. Also, don't forget, I might be the turkey champion still, too. Oh, I'm yeah. not sure, but yeah. on Thanksgiving coming up, happy Thanksgiving, and I might go for the turkey title. And I'm not talking about eating the most turkey. I'm talking about getting tarred and feathered out there in the middle of the ring. Oh, wait a minute. That's what we're going to talk about later on today. Yeah, okay. that's that's yeah. a topic hey. for later, I think. <laughs> okay, yeah. All right, well, happy Thanksgiving. Uh, yes, Jeremy happy Thanksgiving. all of our fans out there, yes, thank you. So, um by the time you hear that, you'll be hopefully listening on Thanksgiving Day. Um, yeah, and we're back with uh, episode uh, 62, and we're going to pick up where we left off last week. Is that correct? Uh, yeah, as much as we can, yeah. That is okay. the plan. Good deal. Cool deal, man. How you been, Professor? I, I've been doing okay. Um, you know, I, I'm enjoying this new Mandalorian series that are running on the new Disney, uh, the Disney Plus streaming channel. That's been really good. It's basically Star Wars as a Western. Been a hell of a thing. I've, I've really liked it. Cool, cool. Well, I've uh, finally I watched a little bit of Prime last night. Uh, you know, I, I stream everything here too. Mm-hmm. I'm big on YouTube. I'm not giving you a segue or anything, but uh, we was talking a bit off the air. I started watching a bit of Prime again last night and this morning. So, um, a lot of good stuff out there, man. Um, so you're oh, yeah. watching the Disney, the, the new Disney Star streaming? Is that what it is? Yeah, they got they've got their new service up, and it's basically cool. everything that everything Star Wars, Marvel, Fox, and Disney has ever done is pretty much available on there. Uh, right. but, but they're also doing new series as well. They got this one, The Mandalorian, which uh, is basically about a guy that looks like Boba Fett, kind of going around picking up bounties, and it has also give the spoiler a baby Yoda in it, which has really been selling the show to everybody. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, that's cool. All right. Well, you got any shout outs this week? Um, no, just a uh, happy Thanksgiving, you turkeys. <laughs> well, I don't know if these people are going to hear these shout outs, but first of all, big shout out to all the fans that listen to us. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, thanks for all the likes and the retweets. I appreciate that. But I've got two. Um, I've got one from Thunder Rosa, got me a like and a retweet there. And, you know, I'm kind of, I've been trying to follow her here since she's in NWA. And, um, mm-hmm. man, I'm really digging what she's doing. She just, she just looks so real to me as far as everything, her, just her, her, uh, passion, her, uh, the look, uh, the in-ring work and things. So I just put her over, you know, kind of a nice little tweet out there, wishing her the best continued success and got a little like and retweet on that. And also, um, I got one also from the Singing at King It show. I don't know if you like uh, Theo Braun and uh, Theo Theo Vaughn and uh, uh, Brendan Schwab, um, I guess it is. But I like I'm a, I like Theo Vaughn as a comedian, and I started watching that uh, King It or Sting It, and uh, I got a little retweet from them about a oh, nice. old eighties eighties commercial. I I knew the reference, and I just tweeted it out, and they gave it a like. What sometimes it's nice when you get them people that are you know uh verified or whatever and they acknowledge that hey there's someone out there that you know really does answer some of those tweets and emails and things like that so uh uh just kind of dig that man because i'd like to think that you know when people someone responded um uh troy if you're listening there's another shout out right there out in the maritimes he just picked up our show he subscribed thank you very much uh he didn't realize what that we was available on all these different uh, wherever you pick up podcasts we're available and he wrote me a little thing there uh, on twitter and I, a little apology about not finding it sooner i was like man you ain't gotta apologize just thanks for listening you know 
And uh, so he also brought up, you know, we was talking about Tim Hortons last week. So uh, yeah. it's always cool. I think it's cool. What I was getting at is uh, I don't look at myself as some big celebrity or some big star or anything like that. Uh, I'm just me. But I, I like to think that those people, they realize if they are on that level, uh, when someone does send them something, they can't respond to everything, and I know that. But at least they say, oh, man, that's pretty cool. They got a reference to, you know, hey, that guy actually liked what I was doing in the ring, or uh, they they caught that joke, or whatever it was, you know. So um, stuff like that to me is pretty cool. I guess it's I, I guess just me being a mark. What I, what can I say? <laughs> oh yeah, oh yeah, definitely. I mean, you, so, you know, like I get that way. Pro wrestlers when they respond, I get all nerded out. Uh, actors and stuff that I like, I get nerded out when they get like give me a retweet or stuff. So yeah, I yeah. totally totally get it. But I did see where. Um, where Thunder Rosa had replied to you, and my only thought was, I bet Bobby needed a towel after that. But, you know. <laughs> yeah, that's kind of, you know, that's where I was going with it. Um, I was probably having a cold beer, so I was like, okay, I'm in a good place. <laughs> yep, yeah. But, yeah, um, that kind of goes along with, you know, because we talked about, just kind of continue what we talking about last week there. It's, uh, it's not like we're getting starstruck or whatever when you ask me that question. It's just that, you know, it's nice sometimes just to, you know, just to get that acknowledgement. You know what I'm saying? Yep. Like you saw that. That's, that, to me, is pretty cool. And I'm glad when people take the time out of their day, because they got busy schedules, that they'll, you know, uh, traveling and, and wrestling and doing this and doing that, that, you know, hey, they did at least respond to something, man. Um, it means something to them because I meant it sincerely, and it meant something to me because I know they're like, oh, okay, you know, they acknowledge it. That's all, you know. So, And I'm not one of these fucking people, excuse me, uh, one of these people that needs to go around. i got to be acknowledged, you know. i got to, you know, nothing like that. It's just, it's just fun, you know. And that's what I use my Twitter, you know, my social media. That's my outlet for that, so. Yeah, absolutely. That's cool. That's cool, man. But that's that's the only things I had. And of course, like I said to the fans, um, I know we talked about this off the air just a, a brief second there. I don't know how you feel about talking about it on air, but uh, the whole NWA thing with Jim Cornette. Um, uh, I just uh, I just wanted to say I'm still a Jim Cornette guy. Uh, I I caught the reference early in when I listened to the show and I was watching it, you know, I was like, okay, I didn't think too much about it because I didn't think anything racist. I just thought, okay, that's an outdated joke kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And um, I didn't really pay much attention to it. And then I got hit up on Twitter a couple of times before it even went off the air, I guess, that they was pulling it. And um, I, I was like, okay, I just thought maybe it's an outdated joke or whatever. And then um, I thought Jim's, uh, I listened to the podcast, uh, the other day, and I thought his apology was fine for whatever. Um, I didn't, you know, I, I'm still a Cornette guy, and I, that's really all I wanted to say about it. That's, I didn't see anything racist. I wasn't trying to think racist. I, I just thought it was an outdated joke, and that's that. And um, uh, Jim, you know, apparently he's just got a lot of fucking haters in the world, and, um, you know, someone's going to always find something that they don't like you for. And people might say, well, Bobby, I don't like you anymore. If you like Jim, well, that's fine. Um, you know, uh, he's always been good and honest to me and up front of me. And um, his views are his views. And, uh, I, again, I, I, I took his apology for what it was. He apologized to the people he thought he needed to, told the rest of them to blow them or whatever. And that's, that's, that's just kind of like uh, I thought still was a good show. I really thought that week. Um, was the strongest week of NWA uh, this week. I enjoyed it. I enjoyed the episode. Yeah, it so. was it was a good episode this week. Um, 
So, you know, me and my brother get together every Tuesday and watch wrestling. Now, we're in California, so we get it, you know, later is when we're sitting down to watch it. I mean, it's, you know, 6.05 out here, so it's 9 o'clock here, guys, this time back back yeah. east. Um, and we couldn't find it. So Dustin jumps on uh, on Twitter, man, and there's there's the clip right there. I mean, yeah, at first, my first inclination is that's a that's a that's an outdated joke. Yeah. But here's the thing. He told us a bad joke in poor taste, but he stepped in a racist landmine when he did it. I don't think Jim Cornette's a racist. I don't believe that for a minute. Uh, I feel like every Southern white guy, he's probably said some racist shit in his lifetime. You know, I, I think that's probably true. So if somebody wants to go digging around through the 80s, I'm sure they can come up with an example that doesn't, I think, make him a racist. But we do live in a society with systemic racism where this shit that thinking some of these jokes are okay is not that person's fault. It's society's fault that these jokes were ever okay to tell in the first place. But yeah, I think he was going for a hungry joke and stepped in a racist one. Um, yeah. That being said, uh, you you personally know Jim Coronet. I feel like I've listened to his show enough and I've talked to enough people that know him that he probably wasn't going to be around for the second group of tapings anyway. Something was going to come up somewhere, and he's going to be like, fuck it. <laughs> I don't need this shit. <laughs> you know. Yeah, I don't know. I think he had planned on being on around for the second round. I don't know. I think he – I thought he was enjoying it that much. But also I could see where uh, – and I don't think he's a racist in the least bit. Yeah. Um, it's one of those things where on that – I think it's one of those things, as long as it was fun for him, he was going to do it, you know, and uh, maybe it just wasn't get fun for him anymore. I, you know what I'm saying? I don't know. He, he's his own man, so I can't speak for him, but and he apparently does very well for himself. So uh, just like with anything, I hope he continues to do good with his call to Cornette. It's just that um, – uh, and uh, here's the thing that gets me about it is I'm going to still watch the fucking NWA without Jim Cornette on there. And that's the thing. People are out there saying, I'm not going to watch it because he's not on there anymore. Well, there's all kinds of other people to watch and, and, and go get do a second set of taping soon, a pay-per-view and all those things. So that's reason enough. But then the other people say, okay, now I'm going to go and watch it. Now he's not on there. I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? You, you, you didn't watch it. You, you wasn't going to watch it, you know? So that, that's what gets me about some people, I guess. Um, and it's no different than if we ran it about the AEW or WWE or whatever it is, if, if someone went on there and you want to see them, you'd turn the channel and watch them. And if they're on that show, you say, you know what? You just turn that segment off if you don't want to see that person. Or you choose not to watch the fucking product to begin with and say, you know what? I'm not watching, you know, we've got a lot of good wrestling out there to watch right now, so you can prick and choose what the hell you want to watch, you know. I just can't see where people, especially if you're a wrestling fan, saying, okay, now that so-and-so's gone, I'll watch again. Eh, that's kind of, yeah, that's soapy, I don't know. That's, yeah. that's, that's just, I don't know, I don't like that. But um, anyway, that's, that's really all I wanted to say about it. I'm not going to, that's the thing, I'm not going to stop watching the NWA uh because Cornette's not on anymore. I, I've enjoyed the show. I think he added to it, but also because um, it had that old school nostalgic feeling or whatever, and he brought that back to it. But uh, I'm sure they'll still be okay, and I think the NWA is going to be fine. I think AEW, I think um, the ratings this week were a little bit closer. I'm not sure. I, I saw something about them. Uh, Maybe NXT beat them this week. I'm not sure what that was. But you know what? I hope all those brands continue to do good, yeah. man. But I'm a wrestling fan, and Here's that the means thing. there's more independent wrestlers that are going to do good, too. Yeah, I want to see those ratings as close as possible. I want to see yeah. fans going back and forth. I want I want there to be competition. 
I think there was closer this week yeah. than what I read. I could be wrong on that. There, there was closer than what they had been. Because here's the thing. Wrestling companies get lazy when they're winning consistently. Yes. Well, you brought that up before AEW when you said they're going to stop being a T-shirt company and become a wrestling company. You know, mm-hmm. or you know, several podcasts to go before they actually made their excuse me their uh, their debut on, on on Wednesdays there. But you're right, man. Look what they've had to do. WWE's had to up their game. They've had to put you know, there's all these the people from SmackDown all stepped up here a few weeks ago. You know, I think that's or excuse me from NXT stepped up to SmackDown a few weeks ago. I think that's great, man. Give these people opportunities to work and get out there and make money and showcase their talents. And okay, Jeremy, get ready for it. It's Thanksgiving, by God, listen mm-hmm. and entertain us fans. You know what I'm saying? So uh, that's what we're watching. Watching some some professional wrestling. Hopefully, that's entertaining. Yeah, <laughs> just uh, you know, guys, put it in the ring. That's that's yeah, you know, that's to me. Like occasionally, you can do something in a back room or a parking lot or whatever, but the majority of everything needs to be in the ring. Right. You know, the storytelling, the the angle setups, the action needs to be in the ring. Or I it, I'll watch a soap opera if I want to watch a goddamn soap opera. <laughs> you know, I hear you there, Susan yeah. Lucci. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. I dated myself on that one there. Yeah. Uh, all my children reference there for Thanksgiving people out there. Catch up on your soap operas. I don't even know if they fucking, I think uh, Days of Our Lives just went on hiatus. I don't even know if they have soap operas anymore. You got the, I don't know, you got the soap opera network, I guess. I don't know. But I'm yeah. with you. I want to watch wrestling. I want to watch wrestling. Uh, but anyway, let's talk some wrestling. How's that? Yeah, absolutely. Um, what where do we want to go? I mean, let's uh well, pick up we lost that left out last week. I think when we saw about Smoky Mountain and um I was getting ready I talked about getting first contact all the way through, uh getting the uh the T V title, mm-hmm. uh shot at the T V title, beating Dirty White Boy and starting my program with him, and then Candido was starting his program with Horner, and then that was leading us to mine and Candido's um matches. And I mentioned Thanksgiving Thunder earlier in the uh, podcast here. So what happened was um, they had this junior. And speaking of which, Jeremy smartened me up. This is why he's a professor, folks. He smartened me up. I was the last TV champion of Smoky Mountain Wrestling and also the last junior heavyweight champion of of wrestling, of Smoky Mountain Wrestling, rather. And um, that junior heavyweight title belt was – I think Scott Armstrong owned it. It was very beautiful. It was red, white, and blue. It had a nice – beautiful plate on it, some side plates, very, very beautiful belt. I've got some pictures of it somewhere around here. I'm sure you can find them online. I'm standing there holding the thing. But anyway, uh, so I went to, I was working, I was talking about working for Bobby Fulton some, and I was working for Cornette. So I was doing down south with Cornette, if you want to say, you know, we talked about the territory, Kentucky, Tennessee, uh, Virginia, West Virginia, down in that, you know. So then on Bobby's end, I was doing mostly up in Ohio, a little bit northern Kentucky and into Ohio. So um, I got this junior heavyweight title, and like I said, it's a straight shoot, man. I won this big, big junior heavyweight championship of the world, uh, of the United States, rather, up in Columbus, Ohio, one of Bobby Fulton shows. He had a big-time rest. So go with what you will on that. Believe what you want on that. So I get the title, and um, me and Candido, my Candido and myself, can go back and forth, back and forth for it. So um, what I'd like to tell you about it is 
I got this title and I go on TV and I'm doing this and doing that. Uh, I defend the title. Uh, and speaking of Cornette, he was actually commentating as a heel commentator. And I, I done a Northern Light suplex on a guy on TV. And Cornette, I had that, I was telling about my missile drop kick had been my finish earlier than that. And I've been saving this, uh, Northern Light suplex. And Cornette popped in. Bobby Blaze won by Northern Light suplex. And he'd come up out of the chair. That was really funny. But, uh, so that was my finish. And I started my program with Candido. And basically, he wants to do his crazy-ass spot. He wants to do a power bomb off the top rope. And I'm like, man, are you fucking crazy? I mean, I, I remember just kind of what I was telling you there before we went off the air last week is we were at this – we was at this – like an armory, I guess it was. It had a ramp down through the locker room kind of thing, and I was a little bit taller than him. And I was standing up above him, so I was looking down at him, and he's looking up at me, and I'm like, this little crazy bastard. Of course, he wasn't little. He's a big, thick guy, you know, strong yeah. as a fucking knox. And I'm going, are you fucking crazy, man, you know? And I'm just, like, looking down. Like I said, not looking down, you know, his stature or anything, or I was, like, looking down at him physically, like, what the fuck? You're going to get up here and do this on top rope? And he goes, yeah, yeah, I saw this in Japan, or on a tape from Japan. So I was like, you know, I used to watch all the tapes from Japan when I was down in Tampa and read the magazines or at least look at the pretty pictures in it, you know. Yeah. And uh, so what happened was we're getting ready to go to the um, to our first run. It started on a, uh, you know, a couple, I don't know, Thanksgiving there, uh, a couple weeks beforehand. And he wants to do his powerbomb off the top rope. We get to the ring and we have our start having our match, boom, 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 back and forth, back and forth. And it comes to the spot where, uh, basically I shoot him in, I give him a kick, uh, I pick him up. Actually, no, he climbs up on a rope like he's going to do something off the top. And I run across the ring and I do a wheel kick where I jump up, kind of flip over and kick him and knock him down to where he's straddling the top rope. Well, then I look and I go like I'm going to give him, I, I give him the office, I give the fans the office, I go up to the second rope like I'm going to give him the old superplex. So I hook him around the neck, I grab him, grab his tights, I go to pick him up to do like a superplex. Well, he steps up to the top rope, but he gives me a gut shot. And when he does, I double over. He reaches down from the top rope as I'm coming up towards the top rope, grabs me underneath the waist, and picks me up and power bombs me off the top rope. Now, that was the first time anyone had done it in the U.S. There's been a couple people that's done it since. we done it four nights in a row, folks, let me tell you. But that first night, here's what happened. So he done it, and, man, I mean, I hit. It just jarred out of me, you know. Mm-hmm. So um, anyway, I'm laying there, and he comes over to pick me up. Well, as he does, I do something other to where basically – he decides he's going to go back up to the top rope again. Now, I've just taken this big bump, one of the biggest. And I remember some of the people coming, several of the people had friends in Atlanta, meaning WCW time, coming up to me after we done that loop, going, man, all the boys in Atlanta's talking about that spot, Bobby. I guess the Armstrongs had told Brad about it, and Brad was telling the guys, they, people had seen it. It's just the way the business, you know, inside people knew stuff was going on because we're all fans of the, you know. And I was like, oh, man, I'm getting over in Atlanta. That's great, you know. But anyway, so he... As he goes back up to the top, I, I go, I'm laying flat on the ground, but I jump up to my feet. And then as he jumps off the top, I jump up in the air and I kick him. I drop kick him mid-flight and knock him out of the air. Beautiful spot. But here's the thing. It was an inappropriate time to put that spot because when he powerbombed me off the top rope, I should have just basically been dead. You know, boom, dead to the, okay, don't no comeback right there. But... I came back up and did the one extra thing, a drop kick out of desperation. The match finishes. Boom. Okay. It got over. 
The first town was Hazard, Kentucky. We're going to do a four-day loop of, you know, Knoxville, Johnson City, Barbersville, Kentucky. And uh, so we go to the back, and, of course, people loved it. But here's Kevin Sullivan. He's waiting on us. Now, once again, we're on this ramp, but Candido and I, because it goes down to the locker room, we're kind of standing equal to each other, and Sullivan's kind of standing above us, but we're still, I'm still at least taller than him when we stand there talking to us. And this is such brilliance, man. So we're sitting there, and he's like, guys, guys, what a great fucking spot. That, that was great. That was great. He goes, but, but here's the thing. What are you going to do next? Bobby, you gonna you gonna cut off this fucking head machete? You know what? What do you? He said. That, that, he said. Here's what you should have done. And we're both listening. We're both. Chris and I are being very respectful, listening to what he's saying because he's got a lot of praise for it, and it's really getting over. He goes, but here's the thing. He said, Bobby, you should have never came back up and drop kicked him. He said it was a good drop kick. The wrong place to put that at. Put it somewhere else. You know, you all do that and somewhere else in the match. Or don't do it. But here's what you do. If you plan on doing that again, the rest of this loop. Then, Bobby, when you take the bump, Chris, you go over and you pick him up. But, Bobby, you deadweight him. Don't come up. Don't work with him. Chris, you look around like, holy fuck, what have I done? He said, Bobby, just sell dead. And he said, you'll see how much better this spot will get over because that's what you should be once you take that big bump like that. And, uh, by the way, guys, excuse me, I could go uh, fight Brian Lee in a spike match. Uh, I'm <laughs> have a good night. He runs off down the ramp. So he's talking about us doing a big bump and keeping it realistic and this and that. Cutting someone's head off machete, but he goes, oh, by the way, guys, excuse me, I go fight Brian Lee in an Asian spike match. You know, runs off. So me and Chris look at each other, wait for he gets out of sight. We just start busting out laughing, man. Like, can you believe that he's fucking putting our match over? But then he goes and says he has to, you know, do an Asian spike match, whatever. So point of that is what we did show what Sullivan knew what the fuck he was talking about. And Chris and I listened and done the right thing. The next three nights, once we came to that spot, I don't even know how many minutes we was into the match, you know, 10, 12 minutes into it, maybe 15, depending on how long we were supposed to go each night. He gives me the bump. He comes down off the top rope, you know, boom, I'm laying there. When he brings me down, he goes like he's going to pick me up. I just dead weight. And he looks around he starts selling facially like, what the fuck? You know, let's go to the next spot kind of thing. The place, it, it, it was great. It just, it got over so good because there was no need to do anything else. So then when Chris does get me up or does pick me up, and when I do come up, it means something now. You know, there's no need to do a drop kick. There's no need for him to climb back up to that next rope. He's already done everything he needs to. So then he works it into, I think, a neck breaker. Uh, and goes for it the second time, and I northern lights him out of nowhere. You know, so boom, one, two, three, and roll out. And it just got over so much more better. And then if he went over, basically he got the first neck breaker or whatever, uh, put his feet on the ropes to win or whatever, you know what I'm saying? So it, it all makes much more better sense to not jump up and sell that spot. That was my point of that story. So we had a good run with that. We also done the, the turkey title. And so what that was, we we did a thing where, again, we did another four towns in a row, and we did, uh, Chris, we went down to, uh, we was talking about Tim Hortons last week. Well, we went down to Tim Horner's uh, down by Big Lake by his house. And Candida was going to throw my belt, my junior heavyweight title belt, in the, in the damn river. And uh, we're down there. It's freezing-ass cold, man. And uh, uh, Cornette and then with the crews out there, the camera crews out there. And 
Uh, I'd actually pulled a, a tour, not, not tour, pulled more MCL in my, in my knee, my right knee. So I was working with a knee brace on, and I had that underneath my blue jeans, and a, I had a, a T-shirt and a hoodie. Candido, you son of a beep! Like, because I caught him right when, you know, like someone alluded to on um, uh, Twitter there a while back, someone ran that video clip off of, uh, of YouTube, I guess, and... Um, it's like now, what's the likelihood <laughs> that Bobby Blaze would be down there at the uh, at the river when Chris is getting ready to throw the belt in there? But he had invited me down anyway on our pre-segmented things. But man, let me tell you, that river was cold, cold, cold. I had to go in after. I went to go get it. I, I went to block him from throwing the belt in, which thankfully he didn't. Um, and he drops it, but he throws my ass in. So I went in, you know, ass over elbows into the cold ass river. And, um, that sets up our turkey title matches. And basically what that was, Jeremy, mm -hmm. I'm going to shut up and let you ask some questions. The winner of the match was actually the loser because if you lost, you got tarred and feathered. And so they put a big, um, a tarp out in the middle of the ring after each match and, uh, poured, uh, molasses all over my ass and my body and, Took a big feather, feathered pillow, which I, I'm allergic to feathered pillows, but he, he ripped that son of a gun open and threw feathers all over and it stuck to that damn molasses off my body. I was just a giant, giant turkey. Even though I won, what he would do, he'd glob me from behind or do something when I was sitting there celebrating. I'd fucking end up getting tarred and feathered. But then of course, it was all, it was all fun. Uh, not because what he'd do, he'd turn around and feed into me, and I'd hug him like I was congratulating him on his win, and I'd get the fucking tar and feather on him as well. Um, and that was a good segment. It was, it, it was fun to do. It was hard to do, but it shows how much you're willing to put into your work, you know, when you love doing what you're doing, you know. It was just, it made it fun. It was, it was a good, it was well worth it, I'll say that, uh, just to work with Chris and have those kind of matches with him and defend the, uh, the junior heavyweight title and have that good run with Chris Candido. We've actually done an episode on it, as you know, and I'll let you do some questions, then we'll move on from there to the next uh, part of the uh, Smoky Mountain Wrestling career. Okay, so somebody says they're going to powerbomb you off the top rope, and you think that's a good idea and go through with it. That's that's my first question. <laughs> well, I didn't think it was a good idea. I thought, oh, shit, are you fucking crazy? That's my first idea. <laughs> first um, yeah, that's one. You know, okay, not, not having been a pro wrestler, but having done martial arts and stuff and learning how to take falls and things, I don't know how you learn to absorb a fall like that, no matter how prepared you are. That seems to me like you're just going to hit hit the road like a bug hitting a windshield, you know? Um, it was a hard bump to take. Yeah. I'll say that. The first day, the first day, uh, my leg actually, when I spun over, was on the back of his shoulder almost uh, was when we hit the mat. About three-fourths of my body hit, but one leg was up in the air across his shoulder. So that gave me a real jar because I got some numbness in my leg where it didn't actually hit. It, it just kind of stretched, almost hyperextended over his back and shoulder. Yeah. Uh, you know, my upper back, my butt, my left leg hit, but my right leg kind of caught his shoulder. The other three, and he laid me out flat. That was the main thing. That was my main concern to get laid out flat so I had a chance to get my, my chin on my chest, you know, mm -hmm. um, which I did. But, yeah, there was no way to prepare for it other than um, – he, like I mentioned, he was strong. He was a very, very strong guy. 
And prior to doing that, we had actually, you know, he had power bombed me before. He had picked my weight up. I was weighing about 215 then, and he could, uh, he could, he could get me up pretty easy uh, and controlled once I was getting up there on him. And I had been on his shoulders before, uh, done a spot where I'd do a leapfrog, and he'd catch me in midair. So I knew he was strong enough for that. Like I said, he had power bombed me. Um, he had put me over the top rope before and, and suplexed me, and I had suplexed him off the off the middle and, or off the top rope, laying across it, not up on it, you know. So yeah, I, that was the main thing. Is uh, and then just trusting that you know he's going to lay you out flat and hope for the best. Yeah, that's I mean, you guys. You guys put a lot of trust in each other in that in that industry. That is for sure. You you really only are as good as the guy you're working with, I guess. Yeah, you basically two dance partners, you yeah. know, and um, you got to take care of that other guy because if you don't, you don't work that night, and someone's not making money, you know, and that's not good. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, that is very true. Um, also, so the the TV title, and I know we we're talking about the junior heavyweight title yeah. there, but the TV title was done kind of in a different style than just having a guy with a championship. It was like periods of weeks or something, wasn't there? Something more to yeah. You? Five, uh, five weeks is the most you could, I think it was five weeks is the most you could have it. Um, and of course, if you had at that time, I, I can't remember how, what the exchange was. One of basically you got a thousand dollars at the end of that five weeks and you got to keep the, keep the title or had to relinquish the title to someone else. I can't remember exactly how that worked, but, um, you know, usually the way it was worked, you know, after three or four weeks, your program was going to, you know, change up anyway. So it switched to whoever. Um, and it was, so it didn't actually include a title belt. It was just a, uh, that, that was the actual title of it. You was a TV champion and you got, you know, reward of getting to wrestle, of course, every TV taping. So you get more exposure mm-hmm. and that helps you at your house shows and stuff with your gimmicks and all that. And then you, you know, got that bumped bonus there at the end, pay faved or whatever, you know, so. Yeah. And so then that kind of acted more like a, a way to get somebody from, just starting off to maybe into that second tier, like maybe going after the American Junior Heavyweight Championship scene. Yes. That's kind of the transition. Yes. So that gets you to tier two, and then after that, you can go after the 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 title itself, or you know, have the big platform, right? Right. Yes, okay. sir. That's that's kind of way it works. And um, yeah, so I started that runoff with uh, Tony, and I'd done that TV, defended it, you know, several different times. Um, got to do the underdog gimmick. Have no, there's no need to fear. Underdog is here. You know, that was one of the funnier things that, uh, white boy, I know it had to be white boy underneath that hood as the, as the damn, the mighty Yankee or whatever. <laughs> Him and Ron Wright out there. Ron Wright at ringside in that wheelchair and fucking Tony throws me outside the ring and there's Ron. I had to feed him, you know. Yeah. But no, um, it was all, it was all, you know, business only and, and fun. But like I said, get you, it got me a, a good little push going early on. And like I said, Chris was doing his thing with uh uh tim and then we you know we was also working other little spots and uh spot shows in between and and programs in between so that was always good and then so i stuck around after the junior heavyweight title uh i don't know how it all worked out as far as how long how much longer i stuck around for that but it's one of those things where uh cornette come to me and asked me to take like three months off you know um just uh somewhere in between there because, you know, I think his saying is, you know, how am I going to miss you if you don't go away kind of thing. And so uh, even though I'd done like a couple of house shows, uh, you know, that were closer to my home, I wasn't back on a full, I was mentioned earlier last week's segment, uh, you know, 12 to 16 bookings a month or what have you, excuse me, a regular crew like the Rock and Roll Express and Tracy, 
white boy and a different cruise ship he was bringing in, you know, we're doing those loops four times. So I took about three months off and um, then came back and then just, you know, just kind of worked from there. And then it, so I was working a lot of independent dates. Uh, there, there's another time I like to tell you, but now is right, not really the, the time I had a chance to, to go to Puerto Rico and I had a chance also to go to, to Memphis, but, but that, I'm not going to mention, I'm not going to go into details on those times for those three months periods. Um, I'll discuss that at a later date. It's just, uh, just to kind of keep the flow of the story going, but I did work a lot of independence and I was working out up uh, at a gym. So I had a little place, you know, to stay at, uh, when I was on the road. So it worked out real good. And that Smoky Mountain TV was strong enough that I stayed busy down in Tennessee and, and Eastern Kentucky and, and like I said, Virginia and, and West Virginia as well. So um, I went back. I don't know how long I worked for. Uh, I don't know, maybe another two or three months. And, and then Cornette come to me again and said, hey, you know, I need you to, to finish up. Um, got some things going on here and there, blah, blah, blah. Like, okay, no, no big deal. I mean, it was a big deal because, you know, you liked work and I liked the atmosphere and morale and stuff, but I was always around it enough. Like I say, even during that three month period of hiatus or whatever, I would still see guys on independent shows. Or like I said, I would do a house show that might be an hour or an hour and a half from my home, uh, even though I wasn't even advertised. I went one time to the show 30 minutes from my house uh, at a grade school and um, I just showed up and done the Battle Royal. You know, Jimmy just needed someone to fill in and it's one of those things like, hey, yeah, I've got it. No big deal. You know, so you still get to, you know, be around it. It's just what I wasn't on a full time crew. So during that time, uh, uh, what happened was I was up in West Virginia um, getting ready to go to Tennessee. I know that sounds crazy, but here's what happened. I was getting I had been up there meeting a couple of radio people in West Virginia and, and had lunch with them. And I was getting ready to run a show, an upcoming show uh, with a local establishment and this and that, blah, blah. Promote it, you know, and um, for some reason, I had all my gear with me. I was going, I was already out near the highway, so that's why I was in West, and that's only about 15, 12 to 15 miles away is all I was up in West Virginia when I say that, being in Kentucky. So when I came back through, I was going to go to Tennessee that night, which means I just, you know, just backtrack 10 or 15 miles, whatever. But for some odd reason, I still don't know to this day, I stopped by my house um, in the afternoon after that lunch before heading back t- towards Tennessee. I don't know why I did it, but... Um, so I go in the house and I'm only there a few minutes. And my phone rings and it's Jim Cornette. And this, like I said, this is a, this is a, this is a Friday afternoon, probably by this time about two o'clock, something like that. Cause like I said, I had a, a business lunch with some radio people and I needed to get to Tennessee. And I thought that's odd when I picked it, you know, I had caller ID back then. Um, I picked it up and I was like, uh, he goes, hey, Bob, Jimmy, you know, and he got a minute, like, yeah, we talked. I told him, he asked what I'd been doing. Like I said, we hadn't been out that much of a contact or anything, but he said, uh, I said, I'm getting ready to make a town in Tennessee. I'm getting ready to go down there for a couple of nights. He goes, yeah, I've got him. And he was down in Morristown, I guess. And I knew Smoky Mountain's running a couple of shows, too. So I'm like, yeah, Bob's doing an independent show. I said, I'll be down in Tennessee over the weekend. I'm just staying busy, Jimmy, like you told me. You know, he goes, listen, I got an idea for you. Let me know if you like this or not, kind of thing. And I was like, I remember sitting on the edge of the bed, <laughs> just that's where the phone was, right by the, you know, the the little, you know, your little dresser or whatever, <clears throat> and uh, nightstand. And I'm sitting there, and he says, uh, "Think about putting a strap on you, you know, put a tight on." What do you think? And I like, 
I put my hand over receiver. I rolled back in bed. I was kicking my legs there like a fucking schoolgirl. Like I said, I'm like what the fuck? I put the title on me. You know? I'm like what the fuck? You know, to myself, cracking up out inside. You know, saying it in a good way. Sure. Uh, and I, I come back up. You know, off off my back on, put my feet back on the floor. Like, yeah, Jim, what you got? He goes, well, he goes, here's what's going on. I gotta run it by Jerry Force, cause Jerry the King Lawler, who I'm talking about here. He goes, I gotta run it by Jerry, but I've got this idea in mind and um, the the I'll have to get back with you. But um, what I'm asking you is also is, you know, don't tell anyone. Don't say anything to anyone. And, um, you know, he might preface with that. You can't say anything. And, of course, I knew Kay Fabe, and, and th- I did this with um, uh, the uh, Wide Men Can't Jump. They got a shoot interview with me talking about the title as well. So if you'll go and visit their site, feel free to do that, man. It's a bunch of good guys up there, Nate and Tim and TR. Give them a quick plug there. But uh, like I told them, man, at the time, I, I just, you know, I don't know how many people knew. Me and Cornette probably, Sandy Scott, and probably, you know, Mark Curtis, and then, of course, Lawler, and, and probably just Landell and White Boy, maybe about seven to eight people. I don't know if anyone, you know, knew exactly what was going on. And I don't know to what extent Buddy or White Boy even knew what was going to go on at that point. I think it was probably just me and Cornette and probably Sandy Scott and Mark Curtis, you know, us four maybe, because he said I have to run it by Jerry first, you know, to make mm-hmm. sure because that's where the direction was going to go. And so that's kind of how, and that was about probably six or eight weeks before I got the title run. So that was, you know, several weeks out before that title run was in February of 95. This That call probably was in late December, early January, you know. Um, so that was the other thing. And, uh, and from there, just uh, – if you want to take a break here of telling that story, ask some questions, give a couple of cheap plugs on something, let's get that out of the way, and I'll come back and start talking about uh, February 26, 1995, Sunday, Bloody Sunday. How's that? Oh, that's that's fine. Honestly, I don't I don't have any questions because the one the one story I have to tell is about when my grandson saw the photograph, but it's from the <laughs> aftermath. Yeah. <clears throat> so I, I got to save that. Um, you know what we could do? Let's go ahead and let's um, <clears throat> let's give everybody the address for our Twitter uh, accounts real quick. Yeah. Okay. Well, you can find Jeremy, the professor over there, at uh, the Geekish Cast. That's on Twitter, the Geekish Cast. You can find me at Bobby Blaze seven forty four. I appreciate you following me and all the likes and retweets. And also, we got a joint account that Jeremy runs, and it's the uh, Bell to Bell Blaze. A lot of times, Jeremy will put something on there, and he'll put a little J by it, so you know it's him. If I and of course, you can see it's the Geekish Cast also. If he's not doing it as a Geekish Cast, I just do it as Bobby Blaze. But Jeremy kind of controls that, and I trust him with that enough that we're getting a lot of good, you know, we get a lot of good retweets off that as well, a lot of good posts off that as well, some good conversation. Uh, but yeah, find me at Bobby Blaze 744, find Jeremy at the Geekish Cast, or follow a joint account at Bell to Bell Blaze. And um, that that's our plug for Twitter right there, Jeremy. Yeah. So if yeah, anybody out there you want to interact with us, Twitter is the best way to do it. We do yes. have a Facebook page, but Bobby does not use Facebook. So right. anybody you interact with on there officially would be either me or Tex. Yeah, so. I think I've been off Facebook for three years now, guys, and I just don't miss it. It just it th- I just I got away from it, as Jeremy knows. We've talked off there. I just. Uh, just don't I, I just prefer Twitter so you know that's what I'm on that's my social media platform I've threatened to come back and I don't I've threatened to get Instagram again and, and, but I don't 
Um, I just I threaten myself who I threaten. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but uh, I just like Twitter. It's, it, uh, it's it's easy for me, and that, that's what I give my time to. And and, and speaking of which, you, you say text, and we got the uh, Facebook page there. Like I said, and I don't. I want you guys listen. Go there and interact. Go there and interact. And what I'm gonna say in just a second, I want you to interact on. The best way to get me to interact, though, is through Twitter, and I just appreciate it that way because I I, I know it's me, you know, I know it's me, and so. Uh, but also, we've got a YouTube channel uh, that Text does it. We we give that a real good plug here, real quick. It's uh, uh, tinyurl.com/bbbbvideo. And you just go there, and Texas does some really, really good work with using Jeremy and my voice from this podcast and putting footage behind it. It's a really cool channel. we got about 6,000 subscribers to it. But I want you guys to like it, share it, and also subscribe to it. Um, I don't go to the comments there a lot because I just I just don't. But Jeremy or the uh, text, they'll send me uh, something and say, hey, look at this, and there'll be a good, nice comment and stuff. Mm-hmm. And I appreciate that. It's just that... I just um, I just would rather interact in one place, and I know that's that's Twitter for me. But again, if you see something on a YouTube channel and you like it or you dislike it or whatever, give us a thumbs up, give us a thumbs down, tell a friend by sharing it, subscribe to it. But also, if you got a comment, feel free to talk to Jeremy and talk to uh, text and those things. And if you want to talk to me, just go to Twitter at Bobby Blaze Seven Forty Four and say, "Hey man, I just watched this video and and tell me what you think. You know, good, bad, or indifferent. I, that way, at least we can re- interact with each other. You know." Uh, I just choose not to do both, or if you add Facebook, all three. <laughs> yep, so. that is that is quite all right. So, yeah, everybody, you can yeah. check us out on Twitter and YouTube by following the links that Bobby just gave you. All right, Bobby, let's uh, let's hear about Sunday Bloody Sunday. Okay, so I get to um, – what a good thing is, is I get to um, – shit, lose my microphone there. I get to take my mom with me uh, to, the, to the matches, and – my brother, who's living in Key West, Florida, who's, you know, we grew up just being wrestling fans. I've told that He's going to come all the way from Key West, Florida, and, and come up to Knoxville, Tennessee, at the Knoxville Civic Coliseum to see me wrestle Jerry King Lawler, because kind of touched on how, you know, my brother and I both started watching Memphis. He discovered it and seeing Bill Dundee, and it was the old Memphis tapes at the time, like 10 years old. I hadn't been watching it for a while. I'm like, wow, that gave us something to reconnect, you know, like you and your brother watch NWA. You know, it's one of those mm-hmm. things you still got in common. You can, you can talk about those things well so um i was scheduled to go on a friday or a saturday night and work a uh, friday night show and it got canceled but uh so my which was a relief to my mom because she was just kind of take care of my dad and this and that it's all worked out though so so we get in the car we go to knoxville tennessee get a hotel room and we meet my brother and some other in-laws and this and that and it's, it's really just a nice time and i'm i'm kind of the only one I just told my brother even, I said, something's going to happen. That's all I can tell you. Something's going to happen. So uh, I didn't tell my mom, you know, I'm kayfabe, man. I'm like, just, you know, something good's going to happen. I'd like to have you there, you know. So uh, uh, one of those kind of things, man. And we get to, I'm at the Civic Coliseum, and I'm in a first match. And I've been gone for, like I said, you know, from there, probably legitimate three, three or four months out of Knoxville. I've been, you know, doing the other stuff, like I said. So... I'm going to wrestle Brian Keys or Brian Logan, real good, real good dude. Uh, he had trained with the Smoky Mountain crew and he had, you know, broke in there and real good, good wrestler. We were going to open a match up, uh, the show up with a, you know, about a five, seven, 10 minute match, whatever time we allowed. I think we only went about five or seven. Um, but right before I was getting ready to go out, I had been listening to a Tom Petty tape. 
um, that had that song I won't back down on it. And I thought, man, this this is a this is what I need to come out to. And I'm right by the curtain. And I thought, oh shit! Now, not for the, not for the, uh, not for the actual mass. Not that didn't cut it that short. But I was sitting there and I was talking to uh, to Mark Curtis, and he's like, um, "You got some new music." Cause I was coming out to an old Metallica song before that with with Credito and stuff. And I was like, "Oh yeah, yeah, hold on, man." And I remember just I had my gear on, but it wasn't time for the show. Like you know, maybe forty five minutes away or something like that. But I was like, I ran back out to my car, my gear, and I got that cassette and I said, "Play the song right here, man. I won't back down." And he goes, you got it, man. So that's where that came from, because I had been listening to it, and I was running it through my head how this thing was going to play out, because I wasn't going to quit. I didn't quit when I got beat, you know, those kind of things. Uh, uh, wasn't going to back down kind of thing. So I go out there. They they have um, uh, Brian's in the ring. I go out there opening match. Boom, a boom, a boom. He puts me over in order like suplex, one, two, three. Welcome back, Bobby Blaze kind of thing. Okay, Curtain jerker, opening match, whatever. That's how that went. So I go back in the back now. I don't know how all this other stuff's going to play out, but I know it's going to play out in some way that which I'm fine with uh, because I don't need to know every little thing. Just give me the blueprint, you know. I'm I'm just going to you know tell you I know you know I got the I got the idea. I'm going to be in that main event one way or another. Now, how we're going to get there, let's see, because that's where the creative uh, mind of Cornette comes in. That's where the workability and professionalism of Lawler and, uh, well, first of all, myself, Lawler, and then Landau and, and White Boy, you know, and then also with uh, Bob Armstrong. And, of course, that's someone else that probably knew, as I tell the story, I, you know, I had these people probably know now, you know, who's in on what. So, anyway, they do the deal where it's Sunday, bloody Sunday, and I'm in the back, and I've got, like, one lace, boot unlaced. I've got my knee pad down, this and that, just hanging out. But I'm watching the show, and White Boy goes out there. Landell gloms him with the briefcase, and then he comes out saying, hey, you know, you can't finish the match, can't have a match because he's drunk, and they haul him out. So Lawler's, like, in the ring, and Landell goes, well, Jerry, I guess it's me and you, you know. And all of a sudden, here comes Boyd Armstrong. Hold on. No. You got to win a match to, that was a stipulation. You have to beat someone to, to, you know, have a chance to be the heavyweight champion again. So I'm in the back, of course. I go back even further into the locker room area and here comes Bullet and he comes back here. He goes, you know, here it is, Bobby. You ready, kid? You know, kind of thing. And I stood back here and talked to him so many times before and, you know, just that whole atmosphere just kind of comes back to you. I'm sitting there going, oh, shit, this is, you know, I've been working like almost three years now or whatever it was, two and a half. And like, oh, man, this is real, buddy. You know, get ready to go. It's going to happen. So, of course, because uh, Armstrong had said, I'm going to go back in the back and get the first wrestler I see. And that's who's going to be in this championship match. And then here come the spotlight again. Here comes, you know, bullet bomb Armstrong and myself down the aisle, man. And the fucking place is looking. It's, inco- it's, to me, it's confusing. You can, you know, it's like, I think people are like, I don't know if the reaction is good or the reaction is confusing. I'm not getting booed. I'll say it, but it's like, yay. But it's like, they're still hesitant. You know what I'm saying? My first back, night back and they hadn't seen me for a while. So we get out there and of course, Lawler's up there and, hey, kid, come here. You know, I'm going to give you a chance to get out of here. Uh, you know, you're nothing but a curtain jerker, you know, uh, 
whatever, and, and he'd take a picture with me. And, you know, Lawler and I took a picture, and he's like, yeah, this is the next biggest thing to being a star. You're going to be in a ring. And Lawler just got that, you know, I'll explain Jerry Lawler. You know, he just yeah. boom, and boom, and boom. You just go with it, man. And so uh, at this point, you know, the story, man, really, you know, in the back, I spoke to everyone, welcomed everyone, you know, welcomed me back and this and that. I talked to uh, Lawler just, you know, hey, introduced myself. Me me and White Boy were talking, and I walked over to Landell and Lawler, and, I, you know, I spoke to Buddy, and I said, hey, Jerry, you know, nice to meet you, blah, 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 please be working with you later on, whatever. And he goes, yeah, yeah, okay. Uh, and this was after that first match even. He said, uh, he was really professional, very, very, uh, you know, right to the point. Uh, you know, hey, you know all that clapping and stuff? He said, don't worry about that during this match. He said, I'll get you over. Don't worry about stomping your feet, clapping, typical babyface stuff. He said, just don't worry about that, everything else, just listen. So I was like, okay. Because, you know, when you're doing your comeback or whatever, you get the fans, hey, hey, you know, Bobby, Bob, whatever. Yeah. Didn't need it for that match because it's a whole different kind of match. So I get up there, and, of course, the bell rings, and Lawler and I go at it, and it's it's a little bit lopsided, of course, but that's the way it's supposed to be. I'm not supposed to get up there and whip his ass, you know. <laughs> He's Jerry the King Lawler. He's a Smoky Mountain Heavyweight Champion. It's it's a work, you know. <laughs> so uh, I just go with it. You know, you take what the guy gives you, you know, so – uh, I've mentioned before, like, you know, I do a lot of kicks. I don't do a lot, didn't do a lot of punching at that time. So, uh, you know, I did this and did that, got him in the corner, done some kicks. He cut me off and boom, 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 boom. Time's right. You know, when he said, when the time's right, I'll grab you in a headlock. And when he grabbed me that headlock, I knew, okay, just shoot him off. And I could see where Landell is jumping up on the apron there, like, you know, trying to distract the referee. I shoot Lawler off. Him and, him and Landell hit. Landell takes the bump outside of ring. I roll back Lawler, one, two, three, and I'm the Smoky Mountain Heavyweight Champion. Like, holy shit. The thing I remember from that was the place popped big time. And I, I remember Boyle Armstrong popping, and I remember Scott Armstrong popping. For whatever reason, he was out there. It was just, you know, there's people out there that you remember being at ringside, you know, and I'm looking at Lawler because he's looking disgusted, walking away, you arguing with Landell. Landell's yelling at him. I'm still kind of beat up from Lawler. That's the whole point of it. I'm still kind of beat up, so I'm just kind of laying there. Even though I got raised up or whatever, I'm probably like down on one knee, holding a belt up, whatever it is. It's like I'm there, but it's like just enough time for Landell to grab the microphone and say, well, Bobby, I guess it's you and me. And he just proceeds to jump in and start beating piss out of me again because I'm already beat down. This is my third match now. You know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? That's the whole thing. We're selling the whole fucking card here, folks. We're selling the whole program. We're selling the next six or eight weeks of programming here. We're not just work, we're not you know we're working for the match, but we're also working for the I'm working for the company. You know, that's what I think sometimes people miss when they say I want so and so to be the champion right now, or they watch a pay per view and they get pissed off because it ends a certain way. Whatever. Well, most companies have a direction, you know, especially these companies that's been around for a while. So. Um, and, and companies have goals, you know, like, like we was talking about NWA and, and you know, the, the AEW. They have these goals of what they want to do with their product. It's, it, you know, uh, WWE, believe me, they would not be around like they are if they didn't have a product that people still watch, you know. So everyone can't be happy all the time. So maybe people want a white boy to win at night. Maybe they want a Landell to win. I don't know, you know what I'm saying? But I don't know is the way we worked out was I'm – Dunn had one match. I'm tired from that. Now I come back in a second match as an underdog against Jerry Lawler, and holy shit, I win that one. And then Landell is jumping right up on me. Boom, boom, boom. Again, nothing was called. The only thing in Lawler's match was said, basically, you know, don't don't worry about stomping and clapping and stuff. When I grab the headlock, it's time. You know, with Landell, I've been around Buddy enough to know, um, you know, if Buddy's on, Buddy's on. 
and we've talked about that before. We've done a you know pretty much a whole segment on him at one time, but you know this is going to be our first night there uh, to start this deal. And you know all I got to do is basically wait for when the time's right. You know what I'm saying? When the mm-hmm. time's right, White Boy's going to be out there somewhere. So I don't have a whole lot of cues. I just I just know to work. You know, Landell will be out there during the first match. Uh, when he jumps on the apron, Lawler's going to grab a headlock and get rid of him. Same thing with, with uh, Landell. We're going to get in the ring. He's going to glom me a little bit. He's going to cat and mouse me a little bit, you know, back and forth, whatever. And when the time's right, White Boy's going to run out there uh, with the bandage on his head and, and try to, you know, break up the fight or the rest of the match because he thinks he needs to be in that title. And when he does, you know, Landell's over arguing with him, and I'm just in position that as I go down, I schoolboy Landell, one, two, three. And that's actually where I saw Scotty Armstrong, the bullet, get the most – uh, they were out there trying to keep Tony Anthony from coming back in the ring. That was that. That's why they was out there to kind of retract what I said earlier there. But it was one of those things where, like, I remember Landell, you know, uh, glomming me a little bit, glomming me a little, I set up for a DDT. He said, go for a backdrop or something. And he DDT'd me. Okay, I just lay there, you know, sell it, sell it, whatever. So not a whole lot has to be said. You know, it's just working. Um, at some point in the night, though, uh, or during a match, rather, of course, I get shit canned out of the ring. Boom, I'm out. I'm over by the announcer's table. Next thing you know, there's Landell on me still, grabbing me by the back of the hair, grabbing the trunks. Let's go. Boom, I go through the announcer's table deal. Now, not a big bumper. I'm just talking about when it's laying down, I skid row it. You know, I jump across it, go through it that way, not actually going through it, like just knocking it down. So I'm not talking about like a big bump through it. I'm just talking about knocking the chairs out of the way table coming down on me and then boom next thing you know i've got juice because it is sunday bloody sunday uh-huh. <laughs> and when i come out of course blandell knows okay punch him in the you know get on him get on him get on him he does the roll back in the ring all the sweat uh the blood it just oh it's right there the heat you know just holding your breath and getting that blood going and then, like I said, there's, then eventually, you know, you get to your finish, but at the finish, you're a fucking bloody mask. Um, I got the crimson mask on, you know. We talked about the Muda scale. I don't know if it was on the Muda scale anywhere near that, but it was, I got me some good collar, you know, got me some good collar, man. And, um, still got some pictures of it that you alluded to there a minute ago. And it was a hell of a good night, man. Like I said, my mom didn't know what was going on. My brother was telling me he had, he didn't know you know he didn't know what was going to go on. He was like, "There's Bob, you know, he's wrestling Jerry the King Lawler." But then he was telling mom, he goes, "She where he was sitting at, he was telling she goes, you know, stuff like when well, that's my son or oh God, is he hurting him?" And he was like, he was like, my brother kept saying, "He's gonna be all right, mom. He's gonna be all right," you know, stuff like that because he didn't really know it was going to happen. But he knew something big was going to happen. But you know, I guess it's hard sitting there seeing your son down there and. The believability factor is still there, you know, because you haven't really, you know, people know, but they don't know. Does that make sense? Yeah. My brother obviously knew that we're working, but he don't know the finish, which is even better uh, for him as a fan, you know. But uh, but he's had to tell my mom, like, you know, oh, yeah, uh, he's going to be okay. He's going to be okay, you know. But, uh, yeah, I glommed up there pretty good, man. Um, it, it was a good good night, and that started my run for the Smoky Might and Heavyweight title. And, um if you want to, and you're out there listening, and I know we've got several good listeners. that's already bought my books, but I'm going to give one. That story, I go into more detail in it in my book, you know, Pin Me, Pay Me, Jeremy. And that book is available on, on Amazon, and I just want to give myself a little segue there. So if you want to, you know, read that or give it to someone else or tell them to list this podcast, whatever, you can go to tinyurl.com 
slash blazebook1, and I take you to pin me, pay me, and that's where I tell this story at. Um, because that's one night, you know, I didn't get um, pinned, but I got paid, and that, that really started, you know, a really good good run for me. You know, I had a good run for Smokey Mama, continued a good run for me being the champion. And um, for what it's worth, you know, that year, uh, for the PWI Top 500, I had moved up from like 260-some to like 109. And I thought, oh, shit, you know, and I don't, I was never one of them guys that believed your own publicity kind of guys kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I understand, you know, I know what I was in, you know, I know what I was doing. So I didn't have to go around saying, you know, yeah, I'm top 500 in a restaurant, <laughs> whatever, you know, I wasn't to me, but that to me, I, to, to take it that shoot was, you know, that, that was a nice honor to be recognized by people that put you in those things, you know, when magazine articles written about you. And I was even in a WWE magazine when it was WWF with uh, mine and Candido's run was in there. There's two pictures um, in an old Raw magazine, I think it was, and it's called Blazing Through the Smokies or Blazing Through Smoky Mountain or something like that. And it's an article about the Smoky Mountain crew. Huh. There's two big color pictures of me and Candido working through there, you know. And uh, so that's always nice to be recognized that away. But I know, you know, that, um, like, yeah, do I believe Dean Malenko was the top one wrestler, number one or what, 1997? Hell yeah. But it's hard for me to believe that I was a number 109, you know, in 95 or 96. Yeah, that's hard for me to believe, though, you know. <laughs> uh, I, that's just me, though. But, yeah. I, but I know it's true. I know it's true. <clears throat> well, yeah. I, you know, and there's there's a thing, like, you're you're a humble guy, you know. And I was going to ask as hey, a follow-up. Yeah, yeah. I'm a I'm a humble motherfucker with a 12-inch dick. No, wait a minute. Never mind. I'm not that humble. No, yeah. <laughs> I don't have a 12-inch dick. I got a two-inch <laughs> dick. Look, I know what it is. I am humble. I got a two-inch dick, but I got a nine-inch ton, and I can part my hair with it. Yeah, there yeah, we go. There you go. <laughs> yeah, well, there you go. Uh, <clears throat> I'm humble. Yeah, <laughs> but where, where I was headed with that is, like, it's got it's to stroke your ego a little bit because – yeah, you won the title, but what it really means is that the owners of the company or whoever does the booking in the company feel like they can trust you with the future of the company, at least for whatever time you've got that. Yes. yes. So, I mean, that's got to be that's got to be a nice little ego stroke of its own. <clears throat> but and I can also see where, even though yeah, it's worked, but I can see where that would go to somebody's head too. You know. Yeah. It that that's the thing, and I appreciate you saying it because here's the thing. Uh, I know a couple old timers I've mentioned before, you know, I've, uh, people I've met and stuff, and that's, you know, training with Malenko and stuff. And I, I, not, I think Gotch, Carl Gotch was one of the ones that said something. The worst hold they could put on you is the office hold. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So, uh, but I've also seen where or heard where, um, you know, Terry Funk said, uh, something along the lines, you didn't beat anyone. You know, the, the, the office, they penciled you in. You know what I'm saying? They penciled you in. You're the champion. So it's, it's kind of one of those things, you know, but that, that's to, and, and, and I mean that again, I, I'm, I'm being very serious to kind of, def- it is, it, it, I'm humbled by it, but also I, I respect it enough to know the difference of making a joke of it. Like, oh yeah, you was just penciled in. You really didn't beat this part, whatever. No, it was kayfabe enough and worked enough and professional enough. You know, that's why I still, to this day, I, I, I thank Cornette for what he done for my career. You know, I thank, I'm thankful of what Buddy and White Boy did for me. I'm thankful what Jerry Lawler did for me. You know what I'm saying? They understood business. They did business with me. I did business with them. And, and, and I appreciate that and respect that. And I also am appreciative of that at some point, you know, Cornette had this idea. He, again, he, he may or may not have ran it by Sandy or Brian or whoever, but he, he, he had enough trust in me that, you know what, that's the thing I was thinking about the other day driving down the street there. 
about the second part of the interview. That's another thing when, I, when they put that junior heavyweight title on me, it kept booking me and stuff like that. That's the main thing. It's like while I was there, that's the thing. Uh, you know, I had, a, I mentioned I worked out all the time. I had a good body, not great, but a good body for Smoky Mountain wrestling. It wasn't great, but it was, it was, you know, good. And, and I, I kept myself in, in pretty decent shape. Uh, and I took pride in the fact that, you know, I was going to work in the office. See, that's another thing. They don't want someone to have to fucking babysit all the time. You know, I'm a grown man, and they don't have to babysit me. You know what I'm saying? I'm going to get to the arena on time. I'm going to show up on time. Uh, you know, I'm going to do my match as professional as I can. I, you know, I didn't go around saying, no, I'm not putting this guy over, that guy over. You know what I'm saying? I just, I, I went there willing to work, you know, looking for that break, and I got it. And once I got it, um, it, it, that is, uh, to me, that's the realistic part is not only did they give you a, a tryout match, they booked you. Not only did they book you, they start bringing you back for TVs. Not only do they bring you back for TV, they put the TV title on you. Then they give you the junior heavyweight title because you're working for it, too. That's the thing. You're working your ass off to stay there because someone else is out there hungry going to take your spot, you know. And if you're not doing your job, the creative is not going to see you in a way. And in this case, you know, just a just a small office there, you know, of Corny and the crew, like we've mentioned before, Sandy and and whoever else has some influence there. Well, that's the thing. Um, Jimmy asked for my input all the time, very professional. Like, you know, what do you think about this? He asked me early on, Bobby. You know, this next TV, not the very first one, but maybe two or three TVs. He said, Bobby, you want to start coming to the production meetings? And I'd be at the TVs like at three o'clock in the afternoon or whatever it was, you know, for two hours sitting in a production meeting, looking at the booking sheet, you know, looking at where this is going, how many tapes I want, who's on this tape, what's it mean to be on a first, second tape, you know, who are you, you know, uh, how's this TV laid out? How's this writing? You know, it gave me a lot of the, I earned the responsibility, and with that responsibility came more and more responsibility. So when that title was put on me, I had to be responsible for that company. You know what I'm saying? So yeah. I, I was appreciative that they had enough trust in me to carry that belt around for the next six or eight weeks, however long it was there, to, uh, to you know, this is where the game plan is. This is where this company is trying to go, and I'm just going to be the champion. Um, I think, and I don't want to go into real – whole lot of detail at this point about it. We talked about the love-hate relationship with Buddy and myself. Mm -hmm. I love Buddy, had a lot of respect for Buddy. Uh, but him and White Boy, both of them, I think, you know, they both kind of let it, um, they thought that title really was theirs. You know, they both from down that area. And um, I think they both were fine people and fine champions in their own right, you know. But that was, during that time, that was my time to be the champion, you know. And, um I was, again, just saying I'm appreciative that I got to do business with them, but I do think that, yeah, it, there are certain people that do let that title go to their head, and it's a whole ego trip or ego blast or whatever. I didn't. I was I was appreciative of where I was at on the card. I was appreciative of what I'd done, and I was glad to do it, and I'd done it with pride and honor, you know. So that's, that's probably where I come in, you know, being humble about it. So... <laughs> But, um, so I had a good run there, man. And yeah. I know we're coming up on our time. And, uh, basically I stuck around when, when I did drop the title eventually, uh, to Landale in Johnson City, Tennessee. Um, uh, I didn't quit. I didn't back down. Uh, referee Mark Curtis stopped the fight. It kind of, so that kind of kept me really strong. Uh, if you people out there watch Booking the Territory or listen to Booking the Territory, I'm going to throw that out there for them guys. Give them a shout out. They just done the segments here where I won the title. And I think, the last one I listened to, I think I lost it again. But, again, just because I lost the title, Cornette kept me booked. I stayed booked all the way through um, 
till the end of time when it shut down. Um, and I was kind of speed through that, you know, um, you know, we went through, uh, Brad Armstrong came in, uh, you know, Terry Gordy was there. Tommy Rich was there. There's a lot of good talent to come in and out of Smoky Mountain Wrestling. And I was booked all the way till about this time of the year of, um, whatever year it shut down, I guess it was 96 is what it was. And, um, so I stayed booked, you know, all the way through 95 through October, no, November of 96. And, uh, we, I went to a show. I'd done a show on a, we had a Friday, Saturday, and a Monday. I don't think we had a Sunday afternoon, but we had a three-day loop. But the first two was kind of close to my house. Then we were off on Sunday, if I'm not mistaken, or at least I was. And then Monday was TV. And so what happened was we were at a house show about an hour, hour and a half from my house, and we had a hell of a good crowd. I mentioned Pikeville, Kentucky earlier. This was a smaller community in that area. It wasn't a big, big show like the Bluegrass Brawl, but, um, we had a good house for a Friday night, and no one got paid. We asked for a draw, and no one got paid. Huh, that's, that's good. I, I know payday's Monday, but you can still ask for a little bit of money. And I heard some people asking, you know, they, they didn't get a draw. I, I didn't ask because I was already close to home, so I, didn't, I thought, ooh, that's a good house. We'll get paid. You know, everything's cool. Saturday, we've done another show. Again, not as big as that one, but still a good house. And, again, I know some guys who are like, you know, something – Something might be going on here. I don't know what. You know, I think there was a Sunday show, but I wasn't on it. And then so I get the TVs on Monday, and I'm still hearing some rumbling, but no one really knows, you know, exactly what's going on. And um, so uh, we go to get our paychecks, and I remember I remember Robert Gibson standing in front of me, and I remember Gordy and Rich had already been in. And we were just standing in line just outside of where Cornette was in this area handing out paychecks. And I remember uh, – seeing Gordy and Rich walk by and they're talking to each other like this is bullshit kind of thing. And I don't know what the fuck they're talking about because what my conversation to be having. Right. I was talking to Robert Gibson. I can't remember who was behind me. It might have been Kyle or someone, but I was like, you know, just heard some rumbling that people aren't getting paid tonight. And I was like, eh, that's not, I don't, you know, I don't know about that. So I knew if Robert Gibson went in there and come out with no pay because I thought them other guys might have been working me. I'm sitting there going, these guys have been around. They're friends. They're just working, you know. They're got fucking money. They're kayfabing to get the fuck out of this building. You know what I'm saying? So uh, when Robert come out, I could see like, uh oh, <laughs> you know, I don't think he got paid. <laughs> no check tonight or something like that. You know what I'm saying? And uh, I was like, I went in there and Cornette said, "Hey, Bobby, uh, you know, thanks for everything." Blah blah blah. He goes, um, "Listen, uh, here's what's going on." Um, and I remember he, he only asked me well, one other time. He said, "You." I'm a, he gave me a check on the Monday. He said, don't cash this till Wednesday just to be safe. That was like one time out of the two and a half years or whatever. Well, that particular night, like I said, he just said, I need your, your real name and your, your social and your address or whatever. He goes, I'm going to have to be. I'm going to have to mail everyone a check. And, and I go, are you kidding me? It's not a work, right? I mean, I was sitting on a bench talking to him, just two gentlemen discussing business. And I was like, you know, I just making sure I like are you, this. You're not working me, right? He goes, no, I'm, you know, this is just what's going on. And um, I assure you, I'll, you know, I'll, I'll do good on it. You know, I had no reason to doubt that whatsoever. So um, anyway, speed past that. A couple more weeks went by. I still had some bookings and stuff. And I had the booking sheet and I, you know, I, I did what I was supposed to do. And then there was two or three shows. I know two of, of the week of like Thanksgiving or the last week before it shut down, I was scheduled to be on out in the middle of, uh, closer over towards Nashville or above Nashville. There's a couple of towns there that we normally didn't run. And uh, it was on a booking sheet and it'd been pretty kind of far from me. I'll say that. 
farther than what I usually went. And then uh, Jimmy called me and said, hey, Bobby, uh, I'm going to fill you. And he, uh, Gordy and Rich was going to take those books. I can't remember who else stayed home, but he asked me, he said, hey, you, you care to stay home these next couple nights? Uh, I, I think he brought Terry in because he was from over in Chattanooga. And, I, and I, you know, so I think he brought him up and someone else. Because like I said, they've been working towns too. So everyone was just kind of happy to stay busy. But so – Anyway, I said, yeah, Jimmy, that's, that's no problem. And he told me, he said, he's, uh, this, this is what I owe you. He said, I'm still going to pay you. Uh, thanks for filling out these other dates. I've got them written down. We confirmed, you know, I'd done those three nights there. I mentioned that Friday and Saturday. Uh, done the TV. And then I think I'd done two more. So like five or six, you know, I had five or six matches that he owed me for, or nights. I'll say not matches, but nights. And um, he goes, I assure you, everything's going to be taken care of that way. I appreciate you, you know, handling this, and being professional about it and all that. I had no reason to doubt it whatsoever, man. So then, of course, they ran a couple of towns. Again, I wasn't there. Those two towns, I've been there like the week before. And, you know, word was it's going to just something's going to happen soon. And it did. It shut down. And um, so, uh, you know, I just I can't remember if I called Jimmy or Jimmy called me the, the next week or so. Because, uh, again, the, meaning the weekend shows the whatever happened, whatever nights they ran, you know, out hell him I ran Thanksgiving night. I really don't know what the you know the exact date was. But basically we spoke on the phone and he goes, uh, yeah Bobby, I assure you everything's gonna be taken care of. I'm just trying to straighten all this stuff out. And I knew Smoky Mountain was shut down. I knew Jim Cornette owed me money, but I knew Jim Cornette was gonna pay me because I had no reason to ever doubt that. I knew Smoky Mountain was going to take care of, you know, what they, you know, their obligation was, which was basically what I just now said, because you know Jim was in charge of that. And um, it took a little bit. You know, we stayed in contact. Um, I told him what was going on with me. And, and of course, he was working for WWE at the time. And he's uh, going up there more and more. And he said something like, uh, you know, would you like to – again, we're just talking, two gentlemen discussing business. I wasn't worried about the money. Uh, could I have used it? Sure. Everyone – you know, who can't, right? But um, – he asked me if I wanted to come to Cincinnati uh, and uh, Huntington, West Virginia. One of them is like two and a half hours away. Huntington's like 20 minutes away. I had done TVs years before that, you know, for WWF at the time. Well, he said, I can get you on a couple of shows if you want to make a little paycheck here or there. Uh, we got these two nights coming up. And I told him, I said, I've already talked to Kevin Sullivan. I've already talked to Paul Orndorff. You know, what do you think? And at the time, this is this is money separate than what he owed me, you know, just right. let you know what kind of person I think he is because um, he said, I can get you 300 each night. Well, who couldn't use $600, right, especially yeah. if your bookings have shut down? And, again, this is about a month later. And um, I said, Jimmy, I said, you know, would I, would I get to go – would I get to have a good match? Go like Al Snow's there, you know, Unibomb's there, people I know, you know what I'm saying? And uh, I go, would I get to have a good cut of match or that's going to eat me up on TV or what? And he goes, well, that's the thing, Bobby, because I don't have any control over that. He goes, I wish I could tell you you could go out there and work with, uh, you know, Al Snow or Steve Blackman or something and tear the house down because I know you can. But I, And this is kind of like foreshadowing for what happened years later in WCW. Like He goes, well, I can't tell you, see, it ain't going to come out and just powerbomb you and be over with, you know. So uh, he goes, but I but I did tell him um, – so eventually I did get one of those, you know, down here at WCW. But uh, at the time I said, well, Jimmy, I've already talked to Kevin, which I had, and I had already talked to Orndorff, which I had, Kevin twice and, and Paul once. He said, Bobby, I always thought you'd be a good fit down in Atlanta, man. He goes, uh, he goes, if you're, if you've talked to Paul, he goes, and he said, and Kevin's told you, he goes, I, I wouldn't go on our TV either. You know, he goes, I, you do what you want to do. I'm just letting you know I can get you some extra money. And I said, well, 
you know, asked him what I, what he thought. He said, well, I wouldn't, you know, because I was in negotiations. I had already talked to them in serious. They weren't doing contracts, but they offered me some nightly pays equivalent to that on some dark matches and stuff for WCW. So, because um, everyone moves on, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's not like a, he's already working, you know, why can't I, you know, kind of thing. But, uh, and I had some independent bookings because the people started, you know, picking us up again that wasn't on TV and ran those areas because no one's running them anymore. You know, someone else ran Knoxville, someone, you know, done this and that around those areas. But um, anyway, around long story short on that was uh, I didn't go to that WWF taping, uh, neither one of them. I did go to Huntington because it's, like I said, 20 minutes from the house. Mm -hmm. I saw Jimmy in person. I saw Chris and Tammy and Al. Um, you know, I saw the people I knew. Kyle actually come up and done the TVs. I, again, I just went up there and visited. I saw X-Pac and, well, you know, Sean or whatever uh, at the time. Um, you know, so I, I just I made a night of just going up there and hanging out, you know, at backstage. And, and that's all I did. And I didn't once mention to Jimmy in person, like, oh, hey, you owe me that. You know, nothing like that. We It was two different discussions, you know. And uh, a few weeks later, man, Jimmy called me and said, hey, Bobby, just want to let you know I'm putting your check in the mail. And I don't know how much time's passed. You know, it could be six weeks, five weeks. I don't know. But all that time, you know, that wasn't even that wasn't even pressure or anything. And he said, uh, just do me a favor. He said, call me when you get it. And I was like, okay. And I, I said probably something like, you know, is it good that day? Are you going to hold it or anything? And he, he's like, no, when you get it, cash it, you know. And a couple of days, I guess it was mailed out of Morristown or Knoxville or wherever. He might have been on the road. But anyway, I got my check, and uh, I, I called him, and I said, hey, I got my check, and thank you very much, and we're good. And he said, yeah, you know, we're good, you know. And he uh, probably apologized that it took as long as it did, uh, and I probably said it's probably no problem uh, because it went as long as it could have been, or it could have been worse. No one could have paid me, you know. Yeah. Um, but he paid me every dime he owed me. We we had compared him for prior to that, like we said that evening, and then again on the phone we confirmed, and uh, that was just the end of it. But uh, as far as you know, for me, with Smoky Mountain Wrestling, that was just my run was over. But I did pick up some some lot of independent bookies around there. I got every dime that was owed to me from there, uh, a good amount of exposure from there. And, you know, like I said, I was already in negotiation. I had a chance to go and do some more WWF TV, as I just uh, said, but I was already negotiating with, negotiation with WCW. And uh, I was already talking to uh, Tracy about going to Mexico, which that didn't happen. It was just something we both had talked about. Uh, but I had uh, made a connection in Japan. So I was like, oh, okay, you know, so I already had things lining up, just just trying to keep the ball rolling, just kind of self-promotion, if you will, you know. Sure. Uh, but, yeah, as far as Smoky Mountain, it was a good run from the very first time. Uh, as we talked about at the top of this hour, uh, I'm a Cornette guy because from the very first phone call, it was nothing but professional uh, and courteous, and, and we'd done business together. And to the last time, you know, I, I, you know, I Saw him, I think was in April. I went to that reunion show and man, you know, as soon as I was walked in that restaurant, give him a hug, man, tell you, I love you, man. It's good to see you. And to see the uh, day was actually honoring the uh, Midnight Express for 30 years, you know, and stuff. Uh, I have nothing, you know, but love and respect from, from the time I got to try out uh, Smoky Mountain to the time, you know, I got my final check there. And that was never brought up until I just now brought it up saying, you know, that's just kind of the way it was when it ended. They had times to shut their books down and stuff, so I don't want anyone out there to think that I was ever in doubt of getting paid or I was ever mad or not or pissed off about not getting paid, nothing like that at all whatsoever. It was business only, and that's the way it was conducted. It was business only, and uh, when it was when it when they shut the books down or whatever, 
At the best of my knowledge, everyone got every cent that was owed to them, but I know I did, and that's because I had a professional relationship with Jim Cornette, and I, I really enjoyed being a part of, uh, from the very first tryout match to my very last match, being a part of Smoky Mountain Wrestling. And, you know, I, I think it's nice to be remembered that way that, yeah, you still got the last TV title. You know, hey, guess what? I'm not the fucking defending that title this Thanksgiving, that Thanksgiving Thunder, people. <laughs> and also, I'm not a junior heavyweight champion anymore. I'm not even a junior heavyweight anymore. I'm a fucking heading towards a super heavyweight. I'm not careful. <laughs> Luckily, I've been watching my weight, but I, I'm still a little bit above. A little bit out of playing weight there, Jeremy, as far as the junior airways go. But uh, but luckily, you know, uh, got those things and got to experience those things, man, and, and got to do this podcast with you. And happy Thanksgiving, man. That's that's my story, and I'm sticking to it, man. <laughs> yep. That is how that works. Yeah, well, happy Thanksgiving. Bobby, you got anything you want to wrap up with, or uh, you think you covered it all? I probably covered it all, man. I didn't mean to, you know, we probably put about 15 minutes on the top of this hour, I know, because we started talking about some other stuff other than the the episode being, you know, the Blaze of Glory thing. I hope it didn't bore you too much. hope they enjoyed the stories. Uh, like I say, Jeremy, you know, here's the thing, man. It's Thanksgiving. I've got so much to be thankful for, and uh, I'm grateful for a lot of things in my life, and uh, man, just if you're if you're listening to this program, and it's whether it's you know Tuesday, Wednesday, or Thanksgiving Day, or next weekend, just be thankful, be grateful, and again, you know, if you got loved ones, take care of them, be happy, hug someone extra tight, man, tell someone you love that you love them, you know, that much more, and uh, just be thankful because I know I am, and uh, and I mean that most sincerely. I'm I'm very grateful. Uh, I feel humbled. Um, all jokes aside, earlier. Uh, that I get to do this podcast and, and people listen to it and I appreciate it. And I just want the fans of the program to know um, that I, I want them to have a nice Thanksgiving and just take the time to tell someone that you love them and you care for them and, and be thankful. Well, that kind of covers it and I doubt I can top anything. So uh, let me just wrap up this way uh, for myself, professor Jeremy Vilmer for Bobby blaze, um, happy Thanksgiving, everybody. Get out there, show what you, well, you know what? It's, I guess it's not everybody. Happy Thanksgiving to those of us in America, because Canada was last month and those Europeans yeah. don't get it. So, uh, happy Thanksgiving to all of us here in America and to anybody else that wants to celebrate around the world. Uh, bye bye, everybody. <laughs>